Happy Mother's Day. Good morning, everyone. This morning we're going to be in um, Psalms 1. Psalms chapter 1, we'll read the whole chapter. It's a short chapter. And I'll read the text, and then I'll pray for the preaching of God's Word. Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1. The Word of God says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let me pray. Father, as we open your text this morning, I I pray that the Holy Spirit would teach us this morning, that the Holy Spirit would encourage us and uh, convict us, if necessary, Father, this morning, as we read your text, as we read your word, Lord, let it, um, let it cover us. Let it fill us, Father God. Let your word change us, Lord, this morning. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The title for my message this morning is... Which way will you take? Some of you thought I was going to repeat that. This title is more of a, of a question than it is a, a title for a, for a message. But, but anyway, my, my intention this morning is to take a closer look at the meaning of Psalm 1 and how it pertains to our everyday life. So that we can then ponder the question, which way will you take, with some understanding of uh, what it is we're trying to decide on, what it is we're trying to answer with this question. So we're not just living our lives thinking, well, you know, whatever happens, happens. Living what's called licentiously. In other words, living like, it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't matter what I do because God is still sovereign, so it doesn't matter how I live, um, since in the end, it's all going to turn out for my good anyway, right? 
We're freed from the bondage of sin, but we're not freed from our stupidity. Living licentiously, or living our lives thinking that we have to successfully meet every rule and law in order to get into heaven, living legalistically. As if it wasn't enough that Christ took on all my sins and fully paid the price, thus satisfying, fully satisfying, fully quenching the just wrath of a holy God. I must also contribute because my efforts, my, my goodness, my attempt at holiness, my attempts to follow his law and obey him will be just what is needed to get me across the finish line. No. <laughs> no. When Christ hung on the cross and said it is finished, he wasn't saying, okay, now you're up. You take it the rest of the way. No, it's, it is finished means it is finished. He paid for our sins completely and fully. Now, when we accept Jesus as our Savior, when we acknowledge that we are sinners in need of a Savior and invite Jesus to come into our hearts to change us, the God of heaven and earth looks at us and passes judgment on us right then and there and says, justified. Justified. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of what his Son has done in my stead. Justified. So we need to be shown how to live. We're justified and freed from the bondage of sin, so now this is how you live. And he gives us a clearer insight into his word, a better understanding so that we have the freedom to follow and obey his laws, his word. And so my intent is not to expand or, or broaden the meaning of the text, but to connect the text and its meaning to our normal, everyday lives, in, in hopes that we can then make better application of his text in our walk as Christians. Perhaps it will help to define our choices we make as Christians, or give us some insight into how to make better choices as Christians. Now, that's not to say that the sermon is only for the saved. On the contrary, if you have not been saved, or you don't consider yourselves a Christian, or maybe you believe yourself to be a Christian, but you're not practicing Christian values, then I hope this message will give you some insight into the two ways that this psalm speaks about. And perhaps even you'll come away with some understanding of where you are today, either wanting to write, walk on the path of righteousness or on the path of wickedness. Perhaps today will be a day of uh, conviction and commitment or a day of comprehension and understanding of the inevitable. In either case, whether you're a Christian or not, if someone makes you feel a little uncomfortable, 
Don't kill the messenger. These aren't my words. These are God's words. My job is merely to present them to you in hopes that you will gain a better understanding of God's word. So if you begin to feel a little uncomfortable or feel like I'm reading your mail this morning, pay close attention. Because it may be that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you through this sermon or through Psalm, Psalm 1. And I hope that is the case because that is the way that I just prayed. So if you feel a little uncomfortable, hang in there with me. There is hope. It's not all bad. Towards the end of the sermon, I will present you with a ray of, of hope. And I hope you'll see that as well. So let's begin. Psalm 1 is a model of how the entire Psalter is to teach and instruct us. It's the perfect beginning to Psalms. I think the intent was that when we read or when we finish reading the first Psalm, we would say or we would think, wow, if all the Psalms are like this, I can't read. I can't wait to read the next one. Psalm 1 introduces us how to, or how we may find happiness and fulfillment in life. And that is through meditation and delight in God's Word. We just read that. It also shows us the tragedy of what happens when we don't follow God's law. It does this by showing us parallels. And so we begin with point number one in verse one, the blessed and the wicked. The blessed and the wicked. I've used this illustration before. I figured if it worked once, why wouldn't it work again, right? So, and I had to look this up. I actually did this illustration. Today's May 13th. I did this illustration almost one year ago, May 14th of last year, and it ha just happened to be Mother's Day. I, I guess I'm preaching on Mother's Day every day, every year from now on, Mark. That's what it's going to be, all right? So, <laughs> But I did this illustration, and it came up, and I said, okay, well, we might as well do it again. So there are some phrases, you've heard this, or first lines in the beginning of a book or a story that are so perfect they immortalize the book or story. Here are some examples. And I said, uh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. And people acknowledged they knew where that came from. Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. Here's another one. Call me Ishmael. We know where that's from, right? Moby Dick, Herman Melville, right? And then I came up with one. I thought, okay, this is going to stump them. I know this is going to stump them. This is one of the, the top 100 first lines in books. And I, I, I wasn't even finished with this. And I, and I could see some of the women in the church going, oh, yeah, with their smarty pants looks. Yeah, I know what that is. You know? So here's the line. It is a truth universally acknowledged. <laughs> see? <laughs> That a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. <laughs> okay, everybody, where does that come from? Pride and Prejudice, uh, Pride and Prejudice. yes, Jane Austen. Okay. 
What I didn't do last time I, I did this illustration was give my favorite, my all-time favorite. So here is my all-time favorite. Tell me if you can guess from which book this comes from. Here it is. In the beginning. <laughs> it took some of you a while. Some of you I haven't heard from yet. <laughs> In the beginning. Genesis 1-1, right? The Bible. God. He's the one that did the, he authored that. That, that's a, the most perfect, I think, in the beginning. Anyway, this, okay, so this psalm has another one of my favorites. Blessed is the man. That's an awesome beginning. Blessed. To start the first psalm, more importantly, to start the whole of all the psalms with this word, blessed, is nothing short of genius. Of course, that's, that's easy to say because we wrote it. <laughs> But the genius of this is, is because it's a way of saying that all of Psalms, in fact, all of Scripture, is given to us by God. Blessed to have it and intended to do us good. Blessed means to be supremely happy or fulfilled. That's what blessed means. And so to start with, blessed is the man who is simply saying if you do these things, you will be blessed. If you, want to be, if you want to be supremely happy and fulfilled, then do these things. But this idea of being blessed, this, this phrase, blessed is the man, is immediately followed by a description of a wicked man. And so here's where we're introduced to the, the two ways, right off the bat. On one end, you have a blessed man, and on the other end, you have one who is not blessed, a wicked man. It's a comparison. It's a very useful tool because it's easy for us to understand. If we do this, we'll be blessed. If we do that, we won't. You see, in order to understand what one way is good, or understand that one way is good, we must be presented with the opposite or the negative of the way that is good, and that is the way that is bad or evil. In order to say what the godly man is, we must say what he is not. Right? Now, most of the time in, in Hebrew poetry, um, they make use of what's called parallelism. Parallelism. Uh, you'll have two linked terms or lines, right? But in this verse, verse 1 of Psalm 1, they have three linked lines and with three parallel terms in each. And they are, you put up the slide for that, the first one is walk, stand, sit. The second one is counsel, weigh, seat. And the third, wicked, sinners, scoffers. In some texts, they, they use the word mockers. Okay? Walks in the counsel of the wicked. Stands in the way of sinners. Now, when, when, they, when you hear the term stands in the way of, it's not meaning they're blocking. They're, they are actually standing as or standing like sinners. Okay? Sits in the seat of scoffers. These are all descriptions of what the wicked is doing. 
It's clearly showing that the way of the wicked goes from bad to worse. Charles Spurgeon says this about verse 1. When men are living in sin, they go from bad to worse. At first, they merely walk in the counsel of the careless and ungodly who forget God. The evil is rather practical than habitual. But after that, they become habituated to evil. And they stand in the way of open sinners who willfully violate God's commandments. And if let alone, they go one step further and become themselves pestilent teachers and tempters of others. And thus they sit in the seat of the scornful, going from bad to worse. So we get a description of the wicked by association. And you would expect that we would get a description of the righteous by association, uh, but that's not what we get. That's not what we get in Psalm 1. Instead, we get a description of someone who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. Blessed is the man who doesn't do these things. Walk in the counsel of the wicked, stand in the way of the sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers. But instead, he delights in the law of the Lord. Now generally, when you hear, when you hear the term delight or delight in, you automatically think of delighting in something that is enjoyable. Right? For example, delighting in God's mercy. Or delighting in his blessings. Delighting in a piece of cake. But to delight in his law? That's a little strange, isn't it? Actually, it's not so strange when you tie it, when you tie that with someone who is uh, meditating on God's word. When, when you meditate on God's word, you begin to learn about God and you start to appreciate and love him and his word. And so you delight in it. You begin to see the value in following his law. You, you see the value in following his commandments in his word. So your desire then is to meditate on his word rather than walk in the counsel of the wicked. Your desire is to follow his law rather than stand in the way of sinners. Your desire is to obey his commands rather than sit in the seat of scoffers. Here's something else to note about the difference between these two who are described here, the blessed and the wicked. The wicked cannot. Let me say that again. The wicked cannot delight in the things of God. In fact, they are hostile to God. Romans 8, 7 says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. If you struggle at times to follow God's law, but you're trying, be encouraged. That's evidence that there is a battle within. The flesh wanting to wage war with the spirit, the new birth, whereas those who have not given themselves to Christ do not have this battle. Their mind is set on the flesh, wanting to do what pleases the flesh. They are hostile to God. They do not submit to God's law. Indeed, they cannot. If your delight is in the law of the Lord, then you will be blessed and you will prosper like a tree planted by streams of water. The author of Psalm 1 continues with his description of the two opposites by giving us an illustration to show the result of the two ways. On the one hand, you have the blessed or the blessed who is prosperous, and on the other, the wicked, who is described like chaff that the wind drives away. The one who delights in the law, who meditates on God's word day and, and night, draws nourishment from it. As a tree draws nourishment from a stream of water. The land around may be dry and barren. The sun may be beating down and hot, but if the tree is able to sink its roots deep down and reach the water, then it'll, it'll be nourished and yield fruit. This is the godly man. Psalm 1.3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The land around may be dry and barren. The people around you, the workplace may be without other Christians. Even your family may be on the other path. But if you're meditating on God's word, if you're delighting on his law, then you will draw nourishment and yield fruit and prosper. Even when you fail. The challenge here is, is even when we if, we, if we, you know, if we're given a challenge and we don't try, then we can't be prosperous. But even if we try and we fail, there is prosper there because we've learned something about our failure. To not try is not, is not giving us anything. But to try, to try and be successful that's prosperous. To try and to fail, that's also prosperous. Regardless of the outcome, when we're drawing nourishment from God's word, when we're yielding fruit, we'll be prosperous. The wicked are not so. Verse 4 and 5 say, The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. 
The illustration of the chaff is used to describe the wicked. The picture here is of the threshing floor during the time of the grave harvest, grain harvest. The threshing floors were built on, on the top of a hill it's so that they can grab or, or take advantage of the wind that goes by. So what they would do is they would take the, the grain and then they would, uh, they would use threshing instruments or animals to, to stamp on it, right? And then they would take the grain and we'd toss it up high into the air and allow the wind to just blow the chaff away. Because the chaff, they didn't want to keep any of that. It was useless to them, right? And the, the harder, the, the heavier grain would fall to the ground and then they would collect that and use it, right? But the chaff would be blown away. It was only the useful stuff that stuck around. The chaff would either be scattered or burned off. And this is what the psalmist is saying will happen to the wicked. The wicked are not so. The wicked will not prosper, but instead will be driven away like chaff. The useless parts of the grain harvest to be scattered or burned away. The wicked, therefore, will not stand in the day of judgment. The wicked will not stand among the righteous. He's leading us to an end result here about the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but rather delights in the law of the Lord, who meditates on it day and night. The, the way of the righteous versus the way of the wicked. Two ways. Two paths. The way of the righteous and the way of the wicked. And each has its own final end. Point number two. The final ways. Verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. The whole intent of Psalm 1 is to show us the result of the two totally different paths. To show us the result of the, of the two totally different ways. And it's a perfect end to this psalm and a perfect lead-in to the rest of the Psalter. Two ways and two end results. Verse 6 distinguishes between the final end of the righteous and the final end of the wicked. And again, he begins with the way of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. What is the way of the righteous that he knows? What is the way of the righteous that he knows? The way of the righteous is through Jesus Christ. Jesus said in, in John 14, 6, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He also says in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. So the way of the righteous, those who follow the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ, are his, who gives eternal life, and will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of his hand. This is the way of the righteous. This is the way of the blessed. 
the way of the one who meditates and delights in the law of the Lord. He who meditates and delights in God's word. He who meditates and delights in God. But there is a different way. An opposite way for the wicked. The way of the wicked will perish. There is no subtlety in this statement. There is no confusing phrasing in these words. There is no question of what is being said in the text. The way of the wicked will perish. He's not saying the way of the blessed will be everlasting life, but the way of the wicked, eh, we'll see. No, to, to perish means to die. The end. No more. No everlasting life. No second chance. No, you can make it up on the back end. If you choose the way of the wicked, you will perish. End of story. Now, for those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Savior and have committed to delight in the, Lord, the law of the Lord, there is a sigh of relief, a sort of, whew, you know, but not anything by, by what we've done, but what, what Christ has done for us and in our stead. But for those who have not committed their life to Jesus, for those who have not said, Yes, I confess I am a sinner in need of a Savior and accept that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. You should have reason. You should have reason to be concerned. More than concerned, you should be afraid. But there is hope. There is hope. My last point for this morning, here's, here's why I intend to present you with hope. My last point is the only blessed one. The only blessed one. The first word in this psalm is blessed. But it is not our default state. It is not our initial state. It's not a state that we come into on our own. By definition, this does not describe any of us. Left to our own accord, we will not naturally seek God. In fact, we are hostile to him. Yes, we all were hostile to God by definition of our birth because of Adam's fall we who are born of the flesh are born sinners. None of us are righteous. Romans 3.10 So who does this describe? Who's, who does this describe? Who does God's word in Psalm 1 describe? Who is being spoken of? Who is being referred to here? Who is the blessed man? 
the only blessed one, Jesus Christ. Born of the Spirit, God who became man, who gave himself for the sins of the world. The, the only one who lived a perfect, sinless life. Who truly was able to delight in the law of the Lord. Who meditated on it day and night. Jesus Christ, who did not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Who did not stand in the way of sinners. Who did not sit in the seat of scoffers, but who delighted in the law of the Lord. This is the blessed man. This is the righteous one. The righteousness which is freely given to those who believe in him. He is our hope. He is our hope. You see, the hope that we all have is that there is a Savior. There is one who has been called blessed. And his sacrifice has made it possible for us to receive the blessings that were given to him who is worthy. If we were left to rely on our own merit, we would perish. But for those who believe in him, shall not perish. God's word says in John 3, 16 and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Our hope, the blessed one, Jesus Christ. It is through Christ and only through him that we come to the Father. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way is to the Father is through Jesus. The only way to eternal life is through the blessed man, Jesus Christ. So to answer the question, which way will you take? There are only two answers. Either the way of the wicked, which will surely perish, or the way of the blessed, Jesus Christ and eternal life. As the band comes up, let me leave you to ponder our question. Which way will you take? Which way will you take? The path of the righteous through Jesus Christ and eternal life? Or the path of the wicked who will perish? Let's pray. Father, help us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the hope that you've given us in Jesus Christ. For the salvation that we have when we believe in him as our Lord and Savior. Who sacrificed his life for my sins. Lord, that I would be able to then 
accept his righteousness to cover my sins, Father. Which then will give me the freedom to delight in your word, to delight in you, Father. Thank you, Father, for helping me to choose the righteous path through Jesus Christ. Amen.